Welcome to the Working Women's Channel. My name is Clara Capano, and we're gonna share the real secrets to success. Come on in. Welcome to today's episode of the Working Women channel. I am your host, Clara Capano, and this is the show where we talk about the real side to success. We know that everything doesn't always go as planned, so how do you keep showing up when the world around you seems to be fighting against you? And today, we have the amazing April Porter with Ask April, and she is going to talk with us about her journey to success. So April, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to, to get to meet you. I know we were connected by mutual friends, so welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And you have just a vast background of business knowledge. I mean, we, you know, you were a prosecuting attorney, you have owned businesses, you've opened them, closed them. And now I know that you work with people in helping them get their small businesses, especially in the area of franchises up and running, which is just fantastic. But um, what I would love to do is start off the conversation by just you know, learning a little bit about your journey to success. Was there a time where maybe success wasn't so easy for you? And you just kind of felt like maybe things either in business or personally were falling apart. And how did how did you keep going? Well, I have a story about this and it has nothing to do with business, but it made a big, I know, right? It made a big imprint on my life. And, um, and I, whenever I think about having to get up and persevere, I do think about this. So growing up, I was a competitive dancer and I was very naturally gifted, which my teachers recognized right away, started putting me on wait lists for groups that I couldn't get in until I was older, um, you know, when I was younger. And so when I got to high school, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that I would try out for the dance team and, and I would be on the dance team. And so I tried out for the dance team. And in my high school, you couldn't even try out till you were junior. So, um, so I try out for the dance team and we go to get the results and they announce the dance team and they announce that I will be an alternate. Now an alternate means that you don't get to dance at halftime. Mm. You get to do some of the sidelines, but then it's your job to learn every dance and I had to learn for the position of four different girls so that if one of them would happen to get hurt or be sick, I could slide in and fill in for them. So you're basically an understudy for four different people. Exactly. Exactly. And which is so, you know, such an oxymoron. Like it's also supposed to be you're not as talented. You're not talented enough to be a, quote, regular on the team. Right. <laughs> right. So we're going to have you learn four spots. Like it makes no sense. Right. But what really got me is I knew, I knew that I was one of the most talented dancers who had tried out. And, um, and afterwards, I really just, I was devastated. I didn't understand, you know, what I'd done wrong. Like, it was almost like, why didn't they like me? Because I know I was talented enough, right? And my coach, my brand new coach who I was meeting for the first time pulled me aside and one other girl. And she told me that, you know, if your kicks had just been a little bit higher, you'd probably be on the team. And really, if you were five pounds lighter, your kicks would be higher. 
Now, I mean, if you saw pictures of me in high school, you know, I was I was plenty thin, but of course that's like rocks your self confidence, sure. right? You're like, okay, so I didn't make the team because you thought I was fat. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't make the team. Sure. So that was in May. And of course we go to camp in July. Like, I don't know. I'm sure some of your listeners out there are familiar with that cheerleading or dance. Camp dance. Oh yes. Right. Every summer. So we go to camp and what happens at camp? But oh my goodness, I'm chosen as an all-American, right? So I'm an alternate who can't dance with my teammates in our competition here, but yet at camp, I'm chosen as an all-American. So anyway, I go through that season. I just suck it up. I love to dance so much much that I would take it anywhere I could get it. And, and I finished that season. And then I try out for my senior year and I, uh, I make it onto the team and I become an all American again. And this time I, I can become an all American. I'm only one of only 10 people to get to go to Ireland and dance. And so I'm like, at that point in time, my coach, she was like crying when I became an all American. And I truly believe that she realized once she got to know me, that they had made a mistake in making me an alternate, but there was nothing. I mean, it wouldn't have been fair to, you know, knock somebody else off at that point. Got all the so she was behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the story doesn't stop there. All right. So hold on to your hats because when we were looking at colleges, I went to a tour, a place called, um, it used to be called Southwest Missouri state. Now it's known as Missouri state, second largest college in Missouri. And I saw their dance team perform and they were the Sugar Bears. And I knew instantaneously, this is where I want to be. I want to dance on the Sugar Bears. That's what I want to do. So I go to try out for the Sugar Bears. And it was, I went and three of my classmates that were on my dance, high school dance team also tried out. And they did our first cut. So they, they, you know, everybody does the learned routine and they do a cut. And then whoever makes it past the cut has to go and do solos. Well, when they make the first cut, I'm the only one from our high school that makes the first cut. Now, remember all these people who didn't make the cut, they'd made the squad when I was a junior and I was stuck as an alternate. So, but, but it was still strange because we noticed that there was a local high school and all the girls, 11 of them, all the girls from the local high school made the cut. Some of them couldn't even perform all the skills that were required of us. They couldn't land their leaps in a state. They had to crouch down on the floor to do a landing of a leap or couldn't do the full turns. So we knew something fishy might be going on. So I finished the tryout and I don't make the college team. And by the time I make it home, I get a phone call. And it's some girls that were on, they were a little older and they were on the team. And they said, after you left, the administration knew something was going on because every girl from the local high school made the team. And they discovered that the coach, the college coach had also been coaching at the high school and she fixed the tryout to make sure all those girls made the team. So they fired on the spot, which was good, except for they weren't going to redo the tryout. So this is the second time now where I know that I was good enough to make it on a team and, and I and I felt like I had been, you know, screwed. Basically, you know, it was like unjust. And so um, so come the fall, they had a girl leave for whatever reason and they decided to hold a tryout for a single spot. So I go along with my classmates. We all go to the tryout. Try and we're 
And there's a couple other girls there that I recognized from the tryout that I thought they should have made it to, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we do this tryout for the one spot and they announce the one spot and it goes to another girl who couldn't land her leap standing up. And I'm just like, what is going on? Right. What is going on? So this time they said, if you want to see your scorecards, come and ask us, we'll show you. So I go and I look two of the judges. I have nines and tens. One judge, I had threes. And I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. That judge is in the dance department. That judge chooses me to be in his senior thesis dance to showcase his his skills and his choreography. And I'm thinking, why do you want me if I'm a three? Mm-hmm. Why do you want me to dance in your piece? So spring rolls around. We're in the dance showcase for the college. And there's a sugar bear who says, April, you're going to try it out again, aren't you? You shouldn't have made it those last two times. I said, I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm kind of tr- done. I'm kind of sick of trying out and looking at stuff and feeling like it's not fair, you know. And the guy who was a judge who gave me the threes, he said, April, I'll be honest with you. The other girl, I knew her and I felt bad that she hadn't made it the first time. So I elevated her scores and I knocked yours down because I knew you'd beat her. So I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this keeps happening, right? Like completely out of my control. And so I said, you know, I deserve to be on that team. And so, um, so I tried out again. And um, when I tried out again, I made it. And then I ended up becoming captain of that team. And then I traveled, got to travel the world dancing. And then in 2021, I was inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame as one of the first dancers ever inducted in the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And currently, right now, I am uh, shooting a pilot episode for a new series where I am uh, getting to dance, even at That's this amazing. age, showcase my dance skills. Yes. That's incredible. And yeah, what a story of perseverance because, you know, whether it's dance or even in business, I mean, how many times have people been passed over for a promotion, even though they know it should be theirs? Or, break up with somebody knowing that they're a better mate. You know, we have these times and, you know, again, you, like you said, you easily could have said, I'm not going to do it anymore because, you know, I don't want to keep doing this. And it's that fine line between the definition of insanity, but also going through. So what would you say was the biggest lesson? How did this going through all this, how did this experience take you as you went into your life? Like, how did you use this as fuel later in life? Well, I mean, my mother instilled a very strong self of, uh, or sense of self-confidence in me, which I think if I hadn't had that, I think it might've turned out to be a different story. Right. Right. But I knew there was something in me that said, I, I know I'm good at enough. I know I'm better than a lot of these people that made the team and I'm better in the sense of more skilled, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, not better as a person or things like that, but, but that I have the skills to have one of the top scores. Now I could have thought I could have taken a different turn and I could have said, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm just not as good as I think I am. I'm going to go down into this pit of despair and this, and this, and I'm going to let it affect the way I feel about myself. And I made a choice. I made a choice to say, no, I, I know who I am. 
I know who I am. I know my self-worth on that basketball court or on, you know, on that stage. And I know what I'm made of. And if they can't see it, then they, they, that's, they just haven't seen it yet. Right. Yeah. So I was determined. I mean, I was determined. I showed up every day on time. You know, I showed up every day on time when they said, um, well, do we want to put Foyte turns in this? I'm like, I don't know how many people on the squad can do it. I'd say I can do it. You know, it's like, I'm not in the dance, but I can do that skill that you're scared. Nobody else. I love that. I just want to pause for a moment. And that is such a powerful statement right there that I really hope our listeners, you know, connect with. It's the fact that even though you weren't the star of the show, you still wanted to make the show the very best it can be. Even if it wasn't going to be you that would be able to do that dance move on stage. And I think that that's really something important to understand is that when you are a part of something, you are a part of something. And it can't just be thinking about you. You've got to think of the whole you know, concept. And if you have something that's going to bring value to your team, your organization, you know, we can't just say, oh, I'm only going to give it if the light shines on me. That's, you know, coming from that true go-giver and abundance mentality. And I give you a lot of credit for doing that. That's a great, really great point. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. And and that's that's how I approached it in high school. Of course, when I got to college, it was a little bit different. I felt like, oh my gosh, I didn't look the part, right? I didn't look, I still had baby fat cheeks when I was 18 years old, you know? So I'm like, I just didn't quite look as grown up and as like, you know, or know how to do my hair great or know how to do my makeup great. And I'm like, but those are all things that I can learn, mm-hmm. you know? So, so what I did then was I started doing an exercise routine and I'd really never exercised other than dance. Dance keeps you in great shape, you know, right. but I decided, you know what? I want a really flat, like six pack abs. So every night, Every single night. I mean, we're talking like, you know how they say the post office, rain, shine, snow, (laughs) all that stuff. That was me with my ab routine. I mean, we'd go out to a bar, get back at two in the morning. Nope. Doing abs before I go to bed. I mean, so I did abs. I stretched so that I would be really limber and have a really great flexibility. I said, okay, how can I improve, improve my skills? I didn't just sit there and say I was good enough to make the squad. So I'm going to maintain this level of expertise and then just try again. I was like, I know I'm good enough to be there. And when I come back next time, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, she's even better than she was before. Right. So I went out and I just, I just was determined to improve myself and to become even better um, at what I was doing. And I honestly enjoyed that. Right. So that allowed me to actually, even though I wasn't on the squad dancing, I was dancing in the dance program. I was dancing on my own and choreographing things so that I could practice. Um, And the biggest thing that I think, the biggest takeaway I would have that I would tell the audience is, I knew that my vision was to be on that football field and basketball court. That was my vision. And that's what I held on to, you know, the whole time. I didn't get stuck in the weeds and say, oh my gosh, I'm so tired today. I I just don't feel like doing abs because I'd rather just watch TV or I'd rather do, you know, or I have so much homework and I have this big test coming up 
So I'm going to let that overtake me and I'm going to get all, I'm going to get distracted by the here and now and all the different things that are vying for my attention right here and now. I, my big vision was the compass point, right? It was like, that is where I'm going. And I cannot let anything drag me down and distract me Mm -hmm. from reaching that goal. Yeah. There are so many powerful lessons in this one lesson that you just shared. It's not just the power of perseverance, but again, knowing who you are. And I love this idea of getting very clear on that vision and going for it and how that gives you the discipline to do some of the other things that we need to do. I want to go and I want to shift a little bit because I think this ties in nicely with this. You know, success requires trade-offs. I don't like the word sacrifice, but I think there are trade-offs. And clearly, you know, being an athlete as young, you know, it's sometimes I have to trade off eating the junk food because I want to, you know, have the ability to make the moves. Excuse me. What are some other trade-offs as you got older in your professional life going into, you know, being an attorney and then running your own businesses? What are some of the trade-offs that you've had to make? Um, well, (laughs) I think that's kind of a funny question. A lot of, of course, when you ask me that, there's like three or four things that just pop into my brain. One of them being sanity, which sounds so crazy, you know, but, um, but when I was a prosecutor in particular, I, I was assigned to the worst cases that existed. My, my specialty started out as domestic violence and then it morphed into sexual assaults and homicides. So I was always dealing, usually dealing with child victims. That was the majority of my caseload Mm -hmm. and women who had been, you know, severely um, victimized. And and then my job as a prosecutor, to be quite honest, everybody was always like, oh, you know, it's so good. Somebody has to do it. Somebody's fighting a good fight. And after I did it for 10 years, I looked back and said, you know, I feel like I'm re-victimizing these people. I'm not making anything better. I'm calling them in and saying, hey, let's tell that story again. Now we're going to tell it to a bunch of strangers. And oh, by the way, I'm going to, I have to let this other person stand up and call you a liar in front of a whole room of people, right? I mean, it there really is no justice for victims of those types of crime. And so, um, and so in that sense, in order to keep going and in order to find uh, to be able to make sure somebody's taken off the street so that they at least can't do it to another person, right? Um, you have to sacrifice or you have to trade off a little bit of that sanity, a little bit of that um, that confidence that you're doing the right thing. You have to be okay with doing enough, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and so so I see that. I see that. And then I think becoming a business owner, it's really easy to trade some of that sanity as well. Just because you don't know what you don't know when you first get into business. Mm-hmm. And so you you sacrifice a little bit of that sanity, right? Your brain is always running through what you need to do, right? You're going to bed thinking about your business. You're waking up thinking about your business. You you literally have a to-do list that doesn't ever seem to get shorter, right? Um, you have so many things that you want to do that you can't even begin to work on because of all the other things demanding your attention. And that's the you know early days of being a business owner. And what we've done 
through Ask April Porter, one of the things that is really important to me and, and my sugar bear story really is part of the inspiration of that was thinking about, okay, how do we really identify why we got into business in the first place? Yeah. It was not to be posting social media posts on Sunday afternoons, right? It mm. wasn't to check your email and to feel your heart drop because some customer got their panties in a wad because they're having a bad day, mm. right? But they're going to take it out on you. And it just, and we talked about that this morning with my clients, you know, three people to tell you something great and that one person can ruin your whole day by telling you, you know, so you always hear how you need to start with your why, mm-hmm. right? Oh, start with your why, keep your eye on the why. And that's why you get into business and that's what's going to keep you going. And I just felt like, you know what? That's so vague. It's so vague and it's difficult for people to really dive down and understand why, what is my why? Mm -hmm. So we change that around and we call it swag. Okay. So you're going to focus on your swag and swag stands for sanity, wealth, and gratitude. Ah, love that. Sanity, wealth, and gratitude. Good stuff. Because that is what should be guiding you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So then get really clear. What does sanity look like to you? Does sanity to you look like being able to pick up the kids from school? That's why you got into business, right? To be able to pick up the kids from school and spend that moment in time until they go to bed, 100% focused on them and family and that fem- familial bond, right? That's why a lot of people get into business, but yet then you end up working you get home, the kids are already in bed. You you work on weekends and you're missing them growing up. And, and that's not why you got into business, right? So getting really, really clear on what does sanity mean for you? What do you want that to look like? Same thing with wealth. Mm-hmm. Wealth, obviously, we could talk about material wealth. And then there's also the wealth, the spiritual wealth as well. So really getting focused on, okay, what does wealth mean to us? What what amount of money allows us to have the experiences that enrich our sanity and our gratitude, right? Um, and then, of course, gratitude. And gratitude is really coming from a place where there's, we don't have fear any longer. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about where's the next customer coming from, or we're we're able to um, we're able to give without first opening up the online checking and saying, eh, "How much do I want to tip?" I'm not really sure, right? Yeah. So. Um, So really focusing on those three things. And instead of just asking yourself why, get really, really specific as to what this life looks like, this life of swag. Mm -hmm. And then start measuring what you're doing against whether it's taking you closer to that. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I love that. And I think that that is such a really good concrete way that I think people can sit down. And I love, especially when you talk about, you know, what does it look like for you? Because that that's my whole thing is when I sit down with, you know, my clients, it's what does success look like for you? And again, does success look like you're working and doing that? Because Some people love what they do and that's their labor of love. Or is it again, I want to be able to work and travel or whatever it may be. There is no right or wrong. It's yours. And I think that, you know, giving people that permission to really 
be the designer, being the architect of defining that for themselves is so great. So now you mentioned this pilot, and I don't know if you can talk too much about it, but when we talk about, you know, what's next for April, what, you know, share with all of us, what's next for you? Well, acting is something that I was very, very passionate about in my early college days. And I pushed it to the side because I had little birds chirping in my ear. Thank you, mom. Um, about, you know, having a backup plan and all those things. So I kind of abandoned it. And then, um, right after COVID, I got back into it through an acting class here in St. Louis and one thing led to another and, and, and I've now been cast in this pilot and, uh, we're shooting it here in St. Louis and it's, um, I can't reveal too many things just yet, but if you watch our social media, you'll, we will be able to reveal more and more soon. Um, and it's amazing because I am really getting to fulfill a lifelong dream by participating in it. So, um, I feel very, very blessed. I'm definitely living in my space of gratitude whenever I'm doing it. That is fantastic. That's awesome. And in all the notes, we'll have all your contact information, but if anybody did just want to find you quickly, is there a best place for them to find you? Yeah, we're everywhere as Ask April Porter. Um, that's our website and all of our handles on all the social media. And we are holding the SWAG conference in April of 2023 for small business owners and franchisees. So um, we're that's the whole focus is really tapping into sanity, wealth, and gratitude through business education and um, and other special surprises that we have in store. Very cool. So they can find out that about on your website and everything. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, April, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I loved your lessons. I love how, you know, you dug deep into yourself and used your own truth to give you that guidance. I am very proud of you that you didn't give up. I'm sure your mother is too, but I love how, again, you brought it all together with helping people really redefine what's important to them. And I love that concept of maintaining your sanity, developing your path for wealth and living in gratitude. So April, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing time with us. Any last parting words, if you could just leave one last thing for our listeners, what would it be? You really put the pressure on me. Um, <laughs> um, if I had one piece of advice that I would say, invest in yourself first. Yes. So many business owners, when you don't know what you don't know, you're kind of looking for that life preserver and you're looking for that lifeline. And what ends up happening is some marketing agency tell, says, oh, we have a great product or you know, some other provider, you get starry-eyed with whatever they offer and you invest in those things. If you invest in yourself first, Mm-hmm. you are going to come away much wealthier and not much more knowledgeable to be able to make the right decisions in the investments of other people. Love it. Very smart. Very good. All right. Well, you heard it here. Let's all work on getting our, our swag on and let's look at living in our own truth so that we can define what our future and our success and always again, living in that gratitude. So thanks so much for joining us today on the Working Women channel and we'll see you next time. Thank you.